Talk podcast hosted by Natalia and Jessica, where we discuss topics from sexuality and mental health to overall wellness. This is a reminder that our podcast is uploaded every two weeks. Today's episode is titled The Female Pleasure, and you can expect us to talk about some of the factors that affect the female pleasure in cis women, including biological, social, and psychological factors. We're going to be debunking myths, giving tips to improve female pleasure, and more. An important disclaimer, we are sex educators, not physicians or sex therapists. Also, very important trigger warning, we are going to be mentioning rape and relating topics, so please feel free to skip this part of the podcast if you are uncomfortable with these topics. We've already talked about topics such as sex shame and policing of the female body, which serves as a preface for the female pleasure, considering that all of these topics we've talked about are ways that women perceive their pleasure and are able to experience it. Today, we are going to talk about pleasure in cis women and the social, psychological, and biological factors that affect how these women experience sexual pleasure. And when we're talking about the female pleasure, we're not referring to orgasms as well. That's right. So the first point we want to bring up is consent and how um, we have thought for the longest time that we need to give sex regardless of how we feel about it. And we don't have a say as women when we participate in sex and how we participate in it. And the best thing about that is communication. It's the number one thing everyone talks about, but not much people put it in practice. And communication is super important. And it's also a journey to explore what pleasures you, let alone how to teach someone else how to pleasure you. And that can be a hard task to do because maybe you were repressed your entire life about your own sexuality and you're uncomfortable with talking about sexuality. It takes time to feel comfortable with it and it's okay. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's, we, we talk about, you know, how you have to be assertive uh, when it comes to, the workplace and then slowly we've also been talking about being more assertive when it comes to sex but it's still hard like it's easy to say but it's harder to practice when we are feeling vulnerable in front of a partner or someone that we're about to be intimate with exactly i'm still struggling with being assertive honestly same um i also i think i've gotten better i think i feel like it takes practice but to start doing it is a journey you you know you kind of have to like always mentally prepare yourself um to be that assertive person you want to be in bed yeah and you feel uncomfortable at the same time but it's like well i'm just um saying my opinion i'm just saying how i feel and that somehow makes us uncomfortable and that also ties in with consent and consent is a um, psychosocial concept at its nature. One movement that has opened our eyes to consent is the Me Too movement. It's also allowed us to acknowledge that intercourse or sexual interaction without consent is simply rape. And I know that concept is kind of mind-boggling, but in, at its core, that's what it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, this also then leads us to trauma as a result of sexual abuse, harassment, and assault. The main cause of PTSD in women is actually rape. One in four women will be a victim of attempted or completed 
rape. Um, that's a big number. And these um, the statistics are from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. It's also important to note that about 50% of these rapes are coming from intimate partners. And this is a good time to correct the idea that we have to always be sexually available to our intimate partners, whether that is a boyfriend, husband, a date, etc. Um, it's also important to point out that you can always retract your consent. Just because you're in the mood and you know you are already being sexual with one person, if you don't want to move any further, it's okay to say, I don't want to do this anymore or I don't feel like doing that or that, you know, whatever it is. Consent is about having a choice no matter at what part of your sexual uh, journey you are. And once we have experienced trauma that is related to sex or our sexuality, it can be really difficult to engage in sexual activities with ourselves and with others. And when I say with ourselves, I'm talking about masturbation. So of course, a lot of women who are traumatized are unable to experience sexual pleasure. And I know I wasn't, um, I guess, suffering with PTSD, but I know that uh, a lot of women suffer from depression, anxiety, and other mental disorders and and struggle with their sexual desires. For example, um, an experience of mine is that I had this period of depression where it just, I guess, I spiraled and it came out of nowhere. And I was like kind of doubting myself, like, oh my gosh why didn't I feel the way I was before? Like I had no desire at all. I was not that person. And I felt I had a partner at the time and I'm like, oh my God, why can't I please them at all? Like, why don't I have the same desire anymore? And you kind of blame yourself as well. Yeah, that's, and that comes in with what I was saying earlier, right? Like we feel because like sex can be such an important part of our relationships intimate relationships when we're unable to deliver or perform in a certain way we feel so pressured we feel guilty like we are not um you know delivering in that part of our relationship and yeah, guilt was a sorry guilt was a big part of it i just felt guilty for um my partner as well and it's like oh my gosh like why and you just wonder why and then you can't even just focus on sexual desire anymore. You have to focus on yourself. And it's just, and listen, it's not even like mental disorders or, you know, um, like anxiety, depression, and other things. It's also just like stress by itself. People that are more stressed are less likely to feel um, sexual desire. And I feel like, you know, I can't speak in general, but we are focusing on women today, cis women. So stress makes it harder for us to want to have sex. Um, but when we are talking about uh, mental disorders, we're talking also about heightened stress and prolonged stress, chronic stress um, a lot of the time. And I also can relate to that. Um, I know a few years back, I was really struggling with anxiety and I was like kind of jumping back and forth from anxiety to depression. And let me tell you, sex was the last thing in my mind. Um, that right here, we can already see how the biological ties in with the psychological, right? How, um, how we feel 
when it comes to our mental health can really affect um, our body, our sexual desire, and other um, parts of who, you, of who we are as human beings. And um, it's important to talk, since we're already talking about mental health, to talk about how medication affects our sexual desire and functioning. Um, I myself have experienced how medication can really um, deteriorate your sexual desire. And it wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it wasn't like the entire time that I was taking medication that I felt this way, but for sure the first months when I was uh, taking medication for my anxiety um, and my inability to sleep, so insomnia, for the first four months or so, I just was not interested in sex at all, not with myself, so I didn't feel, I didn't want to masturbate, um, I did not want to have sexual relations with my partner, so it was tough again just as you said earlier you know those expectations that you have as what you you know how you should be as a partner um, really pressure you and that pressure also doesn't help right um, the more pressured you feel about your performance and your uh, sexual functioning the harder it is to focus about sex it's crazy how your mind and your brain just completely shift a whole different way just from um mental disorders it's crazy um you yeah, think it's biological and it's just sure. nope. yeah and uh, you know it's it's an this is uh an important time to also bring up that people don't really uh, realize the importance of mental health right like people don't realize that your mental health without like if you don't have good mental health you cannot be a healthy person in general in order to be health with your body, you know, have a healthy body, etc., you also need to have a healthy mind. These two things are, you know, united and affect each other. So it's also important to talk about mental health when it comes to sex, pleasure, um, etc. And there's also biological ways that your body reacts to sexual desire. So moving forward, there are a few things that you should know um, as a woman about your sexual organs and abilities. Yes, and we can't talk about female pleasure really without um, giving the spotlight to the clitoris. Clitoris is the clitoris is literally the only organ organ in the human body that has the sole purpose of pleasure. Literally. Clitoris is um, one of our sexual organs and it has more than 8,000 nerve endings, meaning that the potential for pleasure is incredible. And the clitoris is more than we've just thought for the longest time. It's not just what you see um, lying under the clitoral hood. Actually, the clitoris we have um, now discovered that it extends beyond and inside. And so when we... Um, talk about the G-spot and things like that, we're actually also referring to the inner parts, the legs of the clitoris. And I think a lot of people describe it as a wishbone. Mm -hmm. So where the, the tip of the top is what we see, but extends down and through penetration, you know, women that are able to experience pleasure through penetration 
feel that way because of that internal part of the clitoris. And we want to make a little note about cis women that do not have um, a clitoris and you're still worthy of pleasure and experiencing pleasure and you're normal and that you're not alone in this. But yes, Jess, that's such a good point. A lot of women um, do not have clitorises and I'm not sure how many people are aware, but um, in different cultures, it's a thing to remove the clitoris to mutilate it's called clitor clitoris mutilation i believe and it's just when um, the clitoris is removed and it has a lot of consequences beyond just pleasure there are all their health consequences they're more likely to um, experience infections and other things and that also comes to they remove it because um it's seen as unclean and dirty for because it's simply because for pleasure so and it's not just oh it's it's something that happens across the world it's it's everywhere if people will find a way to make that happen yeah it's it's unfortunate and it's also a traumatic um procedure affects more than just the body as we said the body and mind are linked and um, this is this is just a horrific thing that is still being done in many cultures that believe that the clitoris, as you said, is just an unclean part uh, of the body that should not be there because it, it has a sole purpose of pleasure. So we've said this before, but powers, I mean, we've all heard it, but, you know, knowledge equals power and this applies to sexuality as well and so the more we know about ourselves and our sexual anatomy the more we can enjoy our sexuality and experience pleasure however we do live in a society that does not encourage us to explore our own bodies therefore a lot of women find it challenging to get in touch with their sexuality and this is one of the many things that society teaches us that affects how we feel about sex and the female pleasure um, we discussed many of these things in our episode about sex shaming and double standards. So if you haven't checked it out yet, we recommend that you listen to that. And to segue, we want to talk about what makes um, a person click and knowing the signs of arousal um, and pleasure. Um, there are other ways to show that you're aroused other than, quote, being like wet such as flushed cheeks and elevated heart rate, maybe some goosebumps. Um, Because many women don't experience um, lubrication and they see that it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not ready yet because I'm just dry. Um, Ladies, lube, lube is a thing. It's amazing. Everyone should use it. Yeah, for sure. And this is an important thing to talk about because a lot of women also experience vaginal dryness. And so not just because you're lubricating does not mean that you should not feel pleasure. You know, if you are aroused, but you are not experiencing lubrication, there's still a way to go about that. And, you know, you're worthy of pleasure. So do not limit yourself just because you are not seeing lubrication. If you are not experiencing lubrication and that's a new thing and you haven't talked to your physician, we do recommend that you do talk about that because um, that could be a sign for different things. But yet, it should not stop you from from 
you know, pleasure and enjoying sex. Exactly. And there are different types of arousal, such as spontaneous and responsive arousal. For example, if you're the spontaneous type, you feel the mental desire first and then the physical arousal second. If you're a responsive type, you feel the physical arousal first and then mental desire second. For example, you can be at work and um, have the desire to have sex, but many women don't experience that. It could be having um, being touched a specific way. That's the responsive type. You feel physical arousal first and then you get turned on second. Yes, and I, and you're bringing up so many good points today, Jess, because Thank it's you. important to recognize that we may not be turned on or aroused in the same ways, and that's okay. That's why it's important to recognize what turns us off and, and how, you know, how are we turned on um, and understand that so that we can actually seek that pleasure. Um, so I think a lot of women need the you know the seduction maybe first so being seducted in one way or another about um, like dirty yeah. talking and stuff like that foreplay is also a big thing how how women get aroused first instead of just thinking about desire yes for, for sure so a lot of women don't necessarily want to be touched right away they want to you know have their partners talk to them in a certain way whisper to them whatever turns them on sometimes it's not just like jumping onto physical touch and that's important to know um because if you think that's how it's gonna work and it's not working out for you you may think something's wrong with you that's you know nothing's wrong with you you just that's not what clicks for you that's not what turns you on and that's completely fine so very important tying up to this is acceptance of the self like, are we okay with looking at ourselves in the mirror? Do we feel comfortable in our bodies? And it's common for people to have sex without knowing who they are sexually and what they can enjoy. And not knowing can diminish your potential for pleasure. So it's so important to explore and just be comfortable with your body and how it looks. And self-acceptance doesn't just extend to your body, but also to how you feel about sex in itself. You feel like sex is a bad thing, you are probably not going to engage in sexual activities. And if you do, you may feel guilty afterwards or feel dirty. And so it's important to shift how you perceive sex in itself to really enjoy sexual pleasure. Also, be accepting of your preferences and other aspects of your sexuality. These are important factors as well to you being able to really um get that potential you know explode that potential for pleasure let me just switch gears and talk about myths and um debunking some myths about female sexuality and female pleasure such as um just because a woman is quote tight does not mean she has not had sex with many people it means she's not that into you fun fact according to the a project a project which is the agency autonomy alternatives um vaginas are less elastic when they're not sexually aroused they become more elastic or quote looser the more sexually excited they become they may feel um, tighter to a person when they're less aroused, less comfortable, and having less pleasure than their partner. Mm. 
Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, take notes. <laughs> you know how many times I've heard that? It's like, oh, wow, she she was so tight. And I just look at them like, oh, that's wrong. Like, that might be their, their natural anatomy, but also, like, taking into exactly. consideration other things that, you know, play into whether she is, quote, tight or not. They have to stop saying that. That That's not cute. It's not. <laughs> yeah, and it's also, I feel like, um women take it as a compliment to be tight and that's also um you know just because you're not tight does not mean that you i don't know what do people say that she's a slut that she's had too much sex um women um, like harmful it's harmful to women because it pushes the narrative of purity culture it that and a woman that engages in sex makes them loose which means oh they're used up which means oh you're basically objectifying the woman because oh cool she's used up and now you're undesirable yeah and and you know the thing about that is that if you choose to have many sexual partners or you have had many sexual partners in your journey as a sexual being um, it does not make you less worthy if she wants to enjoy sex with you, take it as a privilege because she doesn't really need to have sex with you. Um, she's choosing to have sex with you. And so, you know, see the importance in that and stop thinking that just because a person is tight or loose means something about their value as people. Exactly. Another myth that is women are not as sexual as men are and women are not the initiators um that is completely false uh previous studies have shown that women have the same sexual desire but are more repressed due to societal standards and attitudes towards female sexuality for sure i feel like a lot of women may want to initiate sex but they stop themselves because they think that it's Mm -hmm. not right yeah they're like seen as oh wow she's like easy because if they pursue it yeah, and there's nothing wrong with initiating sex as a woman. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of men would find that attractive. Um, but again, you know, it's it's about changing the narrative. Initiating sex is completely fine. Um, if you feel, I mean, of course, it depends on how comfortable you are with that person, um, that you're okay with like being vulnerable and initiating sex. So many things that um, play into this, but initiating sex um, just means maybe that you're confident and feel comfortable with your sexuality. It does not mean that you are needy or slutty or whatever else people are saying. And if they see you that way, um, run away. I would not have <laughs> yes. sex. I would not have sex with that person. Like they don't deserve you. Bye. Like. No. Another sure. myth is that oh, women don't watch porn. Um, false. That this myth is simply untrue because women do watch porn, and that goes hand in hand with the previous myth because women also have desires and to look at porn. Yeah, the, I feel like, and you know, the downside to. The porn that we know is that it's catered to men, you know, 
um, men are seen or have been seen for the longest time as the naturally sexual beings the one mm-hmm. that are sexually driven and not women so mainstream pornography is usually made for audience made up of men and not women yeah. and the same things that turn women on it's not the same thing that turns men on and just you know um so it's very easy to to say that you know women don't watch porn but the thing is like you know if this porn is just not being made for them they just not may not find it as as arousing um so yeah we hope this information encourages you to explore the potential for pleasure within you however that may look or feel to you uh, but before we end we want to give a shout out to today's business in our spotlight and that is Belessa.co. Um, Belessa.co is a company that produces ethical porn and you may say ethical porn how is that a thing yes but wait they produce ethical porn that is more realistic to real life sex and catered to women and they also sell sex toys so if you're into that thing or if you want to give that a try it's important to um to support a business that is ethical and takes into consideration what mainstream pornography chooses to put aside and if you want to learn more about ethical porn and the porn industry it just basically think it's interesting whether you're shocked or intrigued tune in to our next episode where we'll be talking about the simply the sex industry thank you and see you next time